This is the Creator Smarts Podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode 126 of the Creator Smarts Podcast. Today I'm talking to one of YouTube's top consultants and his name is Paddy Galloway. He also has a YouTube channel himself and uh, Paddy has worked with some of the biggest names in the industry, some of the fastest growing channels uh, on YouTube at the moment. I'm talking about guys with over a million, over 10 million subscribers. And um, yeah, Penny knows all of them and um, he is uh, studying YouTube full time, I would say. So what we're going to learn in this interview and what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Penny's background and his passion for YouTube and uh, his secrets to attracting high level clients. Um, and then, of course, we're also going to talk about YouTube. He's going to share what some of the biggest mistakes are that most YouTubers make, um, where you should go for a search-based videos versus a more viral uh, strategy for YouTube, and whether you should do YouTube shorts. This and much more in today's episode. Here it is. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Paddy. Welcome to the Creator Smarts Podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, so, yeah, I'm Paddy Galloway. I'm what I would describe as a YouTube consultant and a YouTube creator myself. Um, on my channel, I break down the, the growth stories of different YouTube channels and how they how they built their empires, how they grew their channels. Um, and then my other business is my consulting business where I actually work with a lot of the YouTubers I talk about and a lot of other YouTubers on their strategy and, and growth and really just trying to, to maximize results and revenue for creators. Yeah, so most people know you for the uh, the Paddy Galloway channel, right? But yeah. um, I've listened to a few podcast interviews that you've done recently, and uh, I noticed that you have a long history with YouTube and starting different YouTube channels. So can you give us a quick a, a quick version of everything you've done before you started the Paddy Galloway channel? Of course, yeah. So it's um, it's something I bring up quite a lot because. I quite often get the rebuttal from people where they say, like I talk about being really patient with YouTube and dedicating a lot of time to the time to it. And people sometimes say, you know, you've uploaded 30 videos on your Paddy Galloway channel and you have nearly 300,000 subscribers. Um, you know, so you're pre you're practicing something. You're not, you're preaching something different. Um, but I always say you don't see the, the kind of thousand videos I made before I ever got any traction. So when I was like, 11 back in 2007 youtube was very very new very fresh um and i was watching like crazy i was watching that more than tv my friends were still watching you know cartoons and tv shows but i was watching the biggest youtube channels at the time people like smosh fred um people like that who just made these kind of funny entertainment videos and i was just so interested in the the dynamic of being able to create your own content the diy diy nature of youtube because I said this recently to someone else, but if you look at like movies and TV and you're like, I want to make movies and TV, there's so much stuff that you need. Like you need how to know how to write a really good script. You need like camera crew, actors, all this sort of stuff to create like a short film. Whereas if you look at YouTube, especially back in 2007, 
you just needed a camera and an idea. And I was like, wow, this is something I can actually do. And a channel I could actually, you know, I can make an actual channel myself based on my interests. Um, so between the, the years of like 2007 and I would say 2015, I just started every channel I was interested in. So whatever my hobby was at the time, I'd make a channel on. I had about 50 email accounts, <laughs> about 50 different channels. Wow. Um, the vast majority of which never got past 10 uploads or 1,000 subscribers. But in the, in the, within those 50 channels, I did have some success with um, some channels. I learned about YouTube a lot. I um, figured out you could actually start monetizing. Um, and in 2013, I started a channel um, which was about Irish music. And that channel grew to like 110K subscribers. And it actually helped pay for some of my college. It helped kind of fund my, um, my living at the time. And I was like, wow, it's actually a really big business here. Um, and that kind of brings us up to the present day where I learned all this stuff from doing all these different channels. Like a lot of people wouldn't have that level of experience of 10 plus years, over a decade year of experience just making videos. So I was like, I can provide something pretty unique in terms of a perspective on YouTube. Yeah. So I started my Paddy Galloway channel in 2017 mm -hmm. and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So what were some of the most important lessons that you learned from starting 50 YouTube channels back in the day? Um, yeah, I would say, and it sounds pretty funny to say, but I would say probably the, the most important lesson was to actually stick to something. Um, <laughs> because if I look back at every channel I had out of those 50 that actually did pretty well. So pretty well, it depends on how relative you are. But like I had, a, I had a, um, an electronic music channel that I grew to like three or 4,000 subscribers when I was like 13 or 14. And it got like two or 300,000 views. So, so at the time that was successful for me, and then my my Irish music channel I grew to kind of fifty or sixty million views and a hundred thousand plus subscribers. Um, but the, the common theme was there. I actually stayed past ten uploads. You know, there's yeah. a great stat about podcasts where it says that you know if if you make more than three episodes of a, a podcast or something like that, you're in the one percent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think it's pretty true with YouTube as well. Like if you can actually stay the course. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't pivot and change and experiment a lot but my real learning was just if I really dedicate my time to something and actually invest you know 10 20 30 videos I get a much better idea than just making a few videos and then switching and I think that's a great lesson for life and business you're not you're never going to grow a big business if you just switch what you're doing every five minutes yeah so what was the moment for you where you decided to to double down on the Penny Galloway channel and and what do you do with the rest yeah, so in terms of all those other channels, like many of them still exist. I, I purposely don't don't say them in interviews quite often because I'm afraid people will look them up and be like, what sort of content was he making? Because <laughs> some of them are very, um, like I used to have a channel where I just used to wrestle with my brother and that was the only, only thing we did. Like we were like 11, 12 and we just shoot these like really dramatic, like kind of face off videos and wrestling and like these title sequences is like, Paddy, the killer, Galloway, fighting, you know, his brother and all this sort of stuff. So I purposely kind of keep those quite, quite private. Although maybe one, maybe one day I'll make a big video, right? I break down yeah. each of the different channels I started. That's a good idea. Um, but in terms of the, the Paddy Galloway channel, um, like I said, I was kind of in 2017. I, I wasn't as passionate about the music channels that I was, I was running. Um, and I knew how to grow a channel and I, I knew... I was always helping people with their YouTube channels 
outside of you know an actual business just being you know whether it be advice whether it be like you know you should do this not this and even from like the sideline as a as a viewer i'd always look at channels and say i think they should do this differently or you know i think i think they're getting it wrong here and and vice versa like this channel is growing because of this you know this is really cool mm. so i remember i wrote um a video essay myself um on peter mckinnon in 2017 and that was intended originally just for myself to learn. Yeah. But I looked at the script and I looked at the, I, I say script, it's more just like notes. I looked at the, the notes and I was like, I should share this. I should definitely share this. So I uploaded it to my um, current channel that people might know me from, Paddy Galloway. And it performed really badly at the start. I already had like a bit of an existing audience on that channel because mm. I used to do like, kind of money breakdowns on careers but this yeah. is the first time I did an actual like full effort breakdown where I talked about the strategy and everything it did really poorly in the first few days and I kind of forgot about it and I said you know maybe this YouTube thing isn't for me I was actually working um working in nine to five at the time it was going okay um I mean I, I say it was going okay it was it was going okay for what I thought was okay um I was like yeah nine, nine to five is supposed to suck so let's just get on with it um and i remember then i was just you know i remember i was in my, my bedroom one day and i just got this text from a friend that said just watch your youtube video on peter mckinnon that was really useful and helpful really liked it and i was like what and i was like maybe maybe he just found my channel or something or maybe you know he looked up my name or whatever and then i go on to the 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 channel and i just look at my youtube studio and the video is on three hundred thousand views in like two weeks and i was like and, and this was on a channel that was pretty small at the time like a few thousand subscribers and i was like wow there's something here like there's something big here that i could you know both build a, a big business around but also build a big audience around and help a lot of people because if i just saw the view count that's nice but it doesn't really indicate anything you know, long term, it could just mean I got lucky or it could just mean that specific video is interesting. But when I saw the comments um, and I saw how much it was helping people, which I, I still to this day struggle with understanding um, how helpful the videos can be um, to people. And I think maybe some of it comes back from like my parents are um, both academic. My mother's like a lecturer. Mm. Um, uh, my father does like research and stuff. So I think maybe I've always had like this knack for being able to tell a story and break things down very simply yeah um and i was like wow there's a there's a big chance i could build a, a big channel here um and essentially took her from there had a big viral hit in the at the end of 2019 and and that brings us up to the present day pretty much so what was the aim for the channel that you just want to get views and become a youtuber or were you already considering to eventually help bigger youtubers out and become a youtube consultant Honestly, and I think this is a way a lot of businesses start. Um, at the time, at the very beginning, when I first uploaded that video, it was it was literally just I want to make interesting videos, um, and it would be also cool if I could pay for my living expenses. So my living expenses at the time were like a thousand euros a month. So I was like, you know, if I could make twelve thousand a year making videos, that would be pretty pretty cool. Um, so I was like, yeah, there's a business side to it, but I never thought of like the the bigger consulting business because at the time even though i was good i don't think i was good enough to actually do that i don't yeah. think i had the experience and knowledge but the funny thing is and i'm sure you're probably aware of this phrase as well that you you learn from teaching mm, so yeah. 
over the over time as I saw more and more people were watching suddenly if you've got an audience of like a hundred thousand people you start to take it really seriously uh, like what you're saying and the research you're doing so I started putting a lot more research into the creators I was breaking down a lot more research into YouTube constantly talking and as I said like I already had a really good base knowledge of a lot of the sort of hard skills with YouTube but then also like the, the soft skills of like understanding YouTubers problems what they go through um, the main focus areas people have the main problems they have with making content um, and then over time it just really naturally progressed into this thing where I never actually promoted it and it, still to this day you probably won't find a video on my channel where I'm like hey I offer YouTube consultancy services go check them out yeah but what happened was it was completely natural people just reached out and said you you make really good videos i'd love to hire you to help me wow and at the start i was like this is just something i'll do on the, the the side but then big channels were hiring me and i was getting really great results for them i was taking chat like I, we had to take a channel from like 20 million views to 60 million views for example um there was lots of other examples of channels i just came in and did some work with and they got great results because of it and i was like i mean if my currency, if my value is views and increasing views, that's so valuable to a business. Because if you if you increase views by, like if you double views on a YouTube channel, quite oftentimes you double revenue too. Mm. So I was like, there's there's definitely a big business here. Yeah. What was the the landscape like on, on YouTube on, in 2000? And uh, you said 2017, right? That's when the Paddy yeah. Galloway channel took off. Was there any competition like in the YouTube expert niche? Yeah, so like there's there's always been these great guys like um like Dara Leaves um and Roberto Blake. So they were still around in 2017. I think they'd been on YouTube for a few years previous. Yeah. Um the thing the thing that I, I said to or the thing I plan to differentiate myself is if you look at those creators like Dara Leaves or Roberto Blake, they quite often make videos like, you know, five tips for YouTubers, yeah. um stuff like that, which is always it's it's interesting, it's really good information. But I was like, I want to make videos that, you know, if you've got 100 subscribers or 100 million, or if you're really into YouTube or you're just a casual, you could still watch. So I tried to I tried to say, like, what does the ultimate hybrid of like advice plus story? Um, what does that like look like? And that's I, I feel why even despite my low upload count, um, I'm at. 280k subscribers because the videos just overperform so much um like my average views at the moment is like 700,000 views a video mm. um and in in the niche like it would be quite quite rare for people really to get past 10k or 20k views a video um so there was i would say yeah there's there's competition in everything like you're always competing for something um but i feel like i quite often i i quite purposely go after different audiences um as opposed to the kind of just beginner YouTuber. Yeah, so it looks like you've really found a format that works really well. Um, I mean, a general business advisor is double down on, on what's working, right? That's exact, exactly what you did in, two, in 2017. You published this video where you did a breakdown of how Peter McKinnon went from zero to a million subscribers in a year, I think, and you did more of that. Um are you still open to experimenting with other kind of video formats or you just want to stick to, to what's working? How do you go about that? Yeah, so it's it's a difficult thing to navigate because as you grow as a channel, you, you get more pigeonholed in what you make um, to, the, to the point where there's plenty of ideas I'd like to make, but I just know they wouldn't do well. <laughs> and 
sometimes that's an ego thing because I've just held the standard of um, you know what I what I do in my videos and the performance on them. Um, but I also think there is a bit it is rooted in a business um, decision because if I if I started sort of diluting the content I make and making let's say you know shorts on my main channel or like um, maybe interviews on my main channel, I'm sure they do well and they get views, but I don't think they maintain the same level of quality that my current videos do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's always been things I want to experiment with, but I'm very purposeful about, I do video essays on YouTube growth once a month or once every two months, like hopefully once a month um, on the biggest channels in the world. So like people always tell me, this channel in this niche is growing really fast, you should check them out. But if I was to make a, vid a video on them, unless I really frame it well in a really interesting way, it's probably only going to appeal to people from that niche. Mm. So like someone could come to me and say, there's a guy who who does camera reviews, who's grown by, you know, 500k subscribers in a year. I could make that video and it probably, it'd probably do okay, but there's always going to be a ceiling there. Whereas if I make a video on um, Mr. Beast, Beluga, Dream, Mark Rober, these big, um, primarily American-based creators, the ceiling is so high because so many people know them. And I'm not just going after their audiences, but I'm going out after people who want to, to want to grow on YouTube, but also know the creator. Because mm. most of the people who watched like the Mr. Beast video or the Mark Rober video, they might not necessarily be Mr. Beast or Mark Rober fans or viewers, but they know who they are. So that gives some relevance to, to the video. Mm. Um, I, I guess on the flip side of that, I have made videos on people. So I made a video on Eric when he had just a million subscribers. I say just a million, but in, in terms of the other channels, that's obviously, I think that was the smallest channel I've ever covered. <laughs> and he, that video did really well. And a lot of people who commented on that said, I've never seen this guy before, but it was just really well packaged, and really, really interesting videos. So I can do both, but I do like to keep experiments to a minimum. And if I am going to experiment, I'm going to do it on a, a second channel. Hmm. So here in the podcast, I always try to figure out the secret sauce of of uh, the, the people that we interview, like the secret to success. What do you think your secret of success is here with the Paddy Galloway channel? Is it a combination of creating content which is very unique within a certain niche and then combining that with really good in-depth analysis of of, of famous people, of, of famous other YouTubers. Have I missed something? Is there another aspect you think we should mention? So, yeah, I think I think there's like <laughs> there's like a secret sauce for my channel and for my consulting business, and they're different things. I think for, for my channel, it's um, really, if I had to say one thing that I think sets me apart, I don't think it's the animation. I don't even necessarily think it's the topic selection or anything like that. I think it's the script writing. I think my script writing mm. is, is good. That's the one thing. I'm a, I'm a very critical of my videos. I've I've openly said that I've haven't made a video in the last two years that I've been happy with before uploading it. Like every time I'm like, I don't really like this video. I think it's really bad. I like you know they usually do quite well, but I'm still really like critical of the videos. But the one thing I think I usually do well is is the script and being able to being able to really hook people in the first two minutes. Like anyone watching this, I just challenge you to go watch a few of my videos and like even maybe export the the script to um, a google doc or you know transcribe it and just look at the language i'm using in the opening two minutes it's very heavily focused on creating intrigue and like opening storylines yeah. so I'm, I'm always teasing things that are coming but it's not like you see some youtubers who hear like 
make sure to like you know hook the viewer and tease the storyline they say stuff like keep watching because we're going to do this or you know watch to the end because i'm going to cover this and people have always, almost become immune to that like they just sort of hear that and they say you know this guy's just trying to sell the video too much but i say stuff much more subtly stuff like you know what did what did this youtuber discover about youtube last year you know stuff like that and that just it's a storyline it's it's good storytelling it makes people go oh what is it so i think the secret sauce on my my channel is really effective script writing especially in the first two minutes i spend more time on the first two minutes than i do on the other eight minutes of the video yeah. um and then on the business side something I, I say quite a lot is that there's a lot of people that also try to do like youtube consultancy stuff and i've seen a lot of people that I, w I wouldn't call them imitators but they do like a lot of the same things i do like they they kind of um you know re rehash a lot of the information i put out there um and i know a lot of these guys and they're, they're great guys but the thing i always tell them that they're like you know how come you're getting so much business i say it's because i never really i never i don't want to say never try but i never really put like a creator on a pedestal i never really <laughs> try to hard sell what i'm doing it's kind of like they reach out to me and that's a hard thing to to kind of manufacture and really it's not it isn't something you can manufacture if you don't have the results so what i do is i just get results and people reach out to me so like pretty much every big youtuber i think every big youtuber i've ever worked with they've messaged me first yeah and some people say like oh do i just sit, sit around and wait for the you know the message like that doesn't sound like a very good strategy but if you're doing lots of content and you're showing people your results they'll come to you um so my secret sauce for business is no marketing <laughs> no no marketing no ad spend no hard sale just a great product and and the rest mm -hmm. takes care of itself i'm just really curious how, how many breakdown videos have you done so far i think i think it's 30 30 so yeah. how how many of those 30 people that you did the video on reached out to you um in some form i would say i would say about half I've talked oh, really? about half. That's quite. That's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. In some form, like I'd have to, I'd have to go through and calculate that. But it, like, not always like to work together, but just in yeah. some form of being like, I really like the video, or just staying as a connection on on Twitter, or you know, swapping numbers or something. Yeah. And have you also been hired by some of them? Yeah, yeah. I've worked with um, I've worked with Mr. Beast, for example. Yeah. Um, so like that was a that was a really good experience, and I probably think that wouldn't have come about unless he. You know, if, if I didn't make the videos, I don't think that would have come about because that's how he first heard of me. When he first followed me on, on Twitter and Instagram, it's because I'd made that video on him and he said it was really good. He messaged me saying it was a really good video and congrats for the viral success on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think any of our you know future relationship would have come about if, that, if it wasn't for that video. Yeah. Is there anything that you can share on the podcast that you learned from working with Mr. Beast and his team? Yeah. I mean, the the one thing I really learned is just more of a mindset thing than a technical thing hmm. because like I, I know most of the technical things not to say that I didn't learn technical things there as well but like that's kind of the area I really focus in like I, I'm always studying data um, and latest trends on YouTube but the real thing I learned was just their mindset towards content um, the philosophy towards content how they how they view a video and how they view the process of making a video it's it's very different to anything else I've seen it's as you can expect, as you can kind of guess, it's it's, it's a real obsession to the, the small details. Um, and some people think you can get kind of too caught up in those small details, but you can't get caught up enough if you're Mr. Beast. Like he wants, you know, he, he has this obsession with like every 
every frame in the video, every line he says in the video, like recording videos, scrapping videos, doing them again, like doing the voiceover completely again. Like he just wants to get it perfect um, every time. So that really taught me the lesson of, of how important quality is. And, and it's funny because by working with him, I started to realize maybe that's why I'm getting some success on my channel as well, because mm. I, I also do have that kind of philosophy of I want to just make sure the video is perfect. I'm never fully happy with it as opposed to just like I'm, I have to make a video every two times a week and they just go out. So like you'll see with Jimmy, he doesn't have an upload schedule. Like he uploads roughly the same time and same day of the week when he does upload. But it's not every week. It's not every two weeks. It's just whenever he has a banger ready. Um, and some people don't like that because they like much more of a system around their working and, you know, more structure to their approach. Yeah. But if we just boil down youtube to how do we maximize views the best approach is just to you know really obsess over title thumbnail um intro content pacing and it's hard to do that if you're just like we have to get the video out by saturday at you know 9 p.m whereas if you're kind of giving yourself let's do this until it's perfect instead of let's do this until it's time to go um I think that really helps. Do you think that most of the successful YouTubers that you have analyzed um, are perfectionists? Yeah, yeah. Really? Perfectionists and really analytical. Mm. Um, it's quite rare. Like you, YouTube is like, I feel a great combination of like art plus data, um, which a lot of people think is of, of very different sides of the spectrum. But you see what like, even like Netflix, like Netflix are making great series at the moment. Um, and they're really artistic and they've got great directors, but it's all rooted in data and it's rooted in audience interest and like picking the right characters based on the audience and based on the big data Netflix have collected over the last decade. Um, I think YouTube's quite similar. It's it's a mixture of both. So the best creators like have this like obviously creative side, but they also are really fun and familiar with data and definitely a, a perfectionist. Like it's very rare to see a creator that just like throws something out. Mm. So, so what do you think of the advice then, you know, for somebody, that's an advice that you hear very often, that somebody wants to start with YouTube, people say, you know, don't worry, just use your phone, get started, just, you know, don't worry about the quality, just upload, make sure that you make those reps. Uh, what do you think about that advice? I mean, I think it's very contextual for the individual and their situation. But in general, I don't think that's bad advice, because at the start, you're not going to be good enough to make quality content. So it's better just to make quantity so you get yeah. good quick. Yeah. So I, I do still, if someone has no experience making videos and has no idea, I do still tell them, don't overthink things, like just put out videos. But when you get to a certain level where you feel like you can make quality content, then just reconsider and maybe spend some more time. Like if you're if you're making four, four videos a week and you're not really getting results and you have like, let's say 10K subscribers, what happens if you put those four videos into one video, like all that time and effort into one video? Is that one video drastically better than every other video you make? And if so, does it have a chance of, you know, essentially getting more views than all four combined? And if so, that's the, the move you should make. Mm. And sometimes you don't know that into the experiment. So in terms of that advice, I still do think for, for beginner creators, you know, just get stuff out there. Just make videos, like make 50 videos, make 100 videos. Um, pretty much every YouTuber on my channel um, that I've covered whether it's on their channel or working with someone else or like as someone behind the scenes or even like on, a, on another like hidden channel that no one knows about. Like I know firsthand that the majority of those creators 
their start on YouTube didn't just come with the videos you see today. Like it, it came from years of trying stuff and years of, of learning. Mm. I quite often hear people say stuff like, I'm I'm just researching and like planning my videos so I can start YouTube with the perfect video. But the thing is like, first of all, that's you're, you're not gonna learn from experience by doing that. You're just gonna kind of guess what the perfect video is and, and hope you're right. And also like, you're gonna be putting all that effort into a video that you're putting on a channel that has probably zero subscribers. Um, and no, no one will know you at the start. So it's, it's usually better to just use quantity to just get a little bit of momentum, even if it's like 100 subscribers, um, and just get better at making content before you just decide, I'm going to make the biggest master plan of a video, and it's going to, you know, I'm going to take two months to make it. Because then what happens if you, if you spend two months making a video and it, it does terrible, you just probably give up. Yeah. Whereas if you're just putting out videos, it's easier to kind of just turn a blind eye to the views and say, I'm just going to put out videos and see what happens. Yeah. So you need to put in the reps first before yeah. being becoming a perfectionist. Definitely. Any other names that you can share on the podcast of people that you've worked with that we uh, should know about? Yeah. So I've worked with, um, so for example, Preston Plays. Mm -hmm. um, they're a big um, entertainment group from Texas um, across their channels. Um, about 50 million subscribers, about three to 400 million views a month. Um, some of the biggest gaming numbers you'll see around. So I've, I've done some consulting with them, which was a lot of fun. Um, I've worked with, I've done some consulting with Eric, who we mentioned earlier in the call. Um, he was a really, really interesting guy, really sharp guy. He's, he's another example of someone that I covered on the channel who I actually went on to work with. Um, so that was fun. I'm really like, most I don't want to say most big channels because like that's that's a that's just not true, but like most big entertainment channels in the U.S. right now, I've done some sort of work with in some form. Now whether it's just a call or it's more long term work. Yeah. All right. We also hired you for a, a consultation that we did or an audit that we did for Oli's channel. Um, I run Creative Smarts together with uh, with Oli. His YouTube cha channel took off a few months ago, and um, we said, "Okay, again, we're gonna double down. We're gonna double down on what's working. So let's uh, let's get in somebody who understands YouTube." And uh, we did this audit. Um, maybe we can just share some of the advice that you gave there, because it was actually some really good advice. And Oli already started making some changes on his channel, and we are seeing the results directly of that. So I remember, I remember that one thing that you said is. Um, so Oli has an educational channel, right? Talks about language learning, cover all kinds of languages. But, you know, every time he would do a video on a specific language, like Italian, for example, that video would not get as many views as, um, you know, the, the five hardest languages to learn for English learners. So very wide topics, very general topics. Um, how do you think about creating content that is very, for a very specific avatar versus creating content for a very wide audience? Yeah, so in general, YouTube favors um, channels that have a very specific, a very, a very specific audience, and that specific audience can be, by definition, a broad audience. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be like super niche down into one language for example but it's like if you're going to be niche down into one language just do that language yeah. um, and if you're going to be broad just do broad mm. because what happens is if like like you said there like if you're doing you know kind of broad videos on like how to learn a language quickly or whatever like and that does well and then you do you know 20 books you should read in italian 
think about like so many people who watch the broad um, language video might have no interest in Italian. Like if they're not learning Italian, why would you watch that video? So then you're just in this constant state of splitting your audience and creating almost separate audiences on the same channel. And some people think that's okay. They think, okay, well, I can just make videos for this people and these people and this people. But YouTube's algorithm will still serve the videos um, to you know your regular viewers. And it becomes very hard to build up regular viewers because you know they're just like, I only like one out of four videos that this channel creates. So like the way I, I like to think about it is if, let's say if 100% of people like this video and watch this video, how can our next video have over 80% interest to that audience again? So how can 80% of the people who watch this video still be interested in this video and so on and so on? Mm. So that doesn't mean you have to just make the same video every single time. You can still experiment, but there has to be like a, a theme. There has to be a format. Um, so yeah, that was that was the big advice for you guys. I think, I think long-term you'll really see results from doing that because it, it just takes you out of this limbo phase of like, Let's get, we're getting some momentum on the channel and then you make, let's say, a video on Italian books and you take a nosedive and then you have to kind of work back up the momentum. Whereas if you just have this like straight trajectory of every video is focused around one language or every video is focused around just broad advice or like maybe just the very biggest languages or, or whatever, instead of going really um, niche on the language, um, it just becomes much, much easier to build up momentum. Yeah. So I have a friend who helps people uh, relocate to another country now let's say this is not what he does but I'm just going to give you an example here so um, so let's say I have a YouTube channel for Dutch people who want to move to Belgium right I, I live in Belgium um, would you and keep in mind that there is an underlying business right so the U YouTube is is my audience that's how I'm going to get exposure and then the underlying service is uh, i don't know it could be a consultation service would you create videos like very specific videos about you know for example five mistakes that dutch people make when they move to belgium or would you do like very broad videos where you for example do street interviews where you interview belgian people and you ask how they think so the title of the video could be something like how belgian people think about dutch people right so these are Two ideas are both more or less for the same avatar, but one is very yeah. wide and the other one is very specific. Um, would you do a combination of the two or go for the broader one? How would you go about that? Yeah, so this, I, I love this question because it brings up a really important um, kind of caveat to the last point. So YouTube, the way of YouTube is there are browse and suggested channels. So like recommendation channels where they get the majority of their views from recommendations from YouTube. Like it's, they're making content that's very focused on what audience and YouTube just push that to the same audience and to look alike audiences that resemble the same audience or share the same interests. Um, and then there's a search based channel. Yeah. Now search based channels have to think less about kind of making really um, specific videos to one category. They can be more kind of just like throwing lots of stuff at the fan like just like this 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 like we're gonna make this video on this topic this video on that topic because they don't have like a search channel by design doesn't necessarily have a loyal audience so if the channel's on something like relocating countries i'm guessing that a lot of the actual educational information there is probably something that people would watch just when they're planning the move like they're not going to move and then be like i'm still going to watch this channel mm -hmm. so by definition i feel like that is a, is a channel that would would serve would serve uh, would suit search very well it's it's very different to the say the language based channel because sure you guys and Ollie like you were getting you were getting some views from search 
but a lot of your traffic was coming from recommendations and that's why for me i was like okay there's a chance for us to get a lot of promotion and recommendation audience let's let's double down on the content that's working and let's eliminate these like more search focused more specific to language focused videos but the difference is like a channel on relocation i don't feel just by design i don't feel like that that's ever going to be a channel that you know does that well in browsing suggested because hmm. it's not the sort of content you want to be recommended it's the sort of content you want to look up at a specific time okay and there's a big difference it's like no one like mr beast has great success with like videos about like last to last to leave the circle wins 100k no one searches that like no one's going like last to leave circle i really want to see that video but it's interest based and it's it's all about recommendations and suggested traffic mm. whereas it's funny because i've been thinking about relocating country for a long time as well yeah. and i've i've been watching a channel for irish people moving to, to portugal and like those videos when i want to watch them i go search them up i don't expect to be recommended them in, in the middle of the day because it's a specific time i want to actually look at them so for a channel like that i would actually focus more on search terms um you know the most commonly searched things around that topic whether it's on google trends or you see it in the youtube search bar what people are actually looking for um i guess it's stuff like how to relocate how to set up your visa how to set up your tax when you move to to belgium or, or whatever like I, I would focus heavily on stuff like that because you're never going to have um, a loyal audience there. And I don't think you need a loyal audience because the, the way that that YouTube channel would work and serve the business is, you know, you rank on search, people watch the video, they find it helpful, and then you have a consulting service um, yeah. that they can book in the bio. I guess it's always important to keep in mind what the business really is, right? So if somebody yeah. like Mr. Beast, it's getting views. That's the business. And of course, he has the, the best, sorry, the Mr. Beast Mr. Beast Burger, and then all these and the apps and 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 the promotions and God knows what else. Um, but in case you know of the relocation business, the business is the, the consultancy service. So, yeah. then back to your channel, because in your channel, the videos that you create, it, it's an interesting case because it's a combination, right? Your videos are very for a for a very wide audience, but at the same time, you also attract people that you want to work with. So, what what's the is is that in a combination of of the two strategies? Or I I think yeah, it's it's a, it's a good observation. I think the difference being is if you want to grow on YouTube, that's a long term thing. Whereas if you want to switch country, that's like a three month thing. I mean, I don't know how complex the, th the mm. situation is, but if you want to relocate countries, like what I'm doing at the moment, it's not really something, I don't think anyone's like really passionate. I mean, I'm sure your friend is, but I, I don't think anyone's really passionate about the idea of like, you know, the paperwork and all that sort of stuff. Whereas people are actually really passionate about YouTube and it's a, it's a much more long-term thing where people, you know, could sort of like, I mean, there's creators who've been, who watch my channel, who've been creators for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I think my, my one is a bit of a hybrid where I do, I make essentially viral video attempts in this niche and that bring in a wide audience and a percentage of those um, work with with my with my consulting. But if I, if I focus my channel completely on search and I had like a very specific service, let's say it's just about like a certain type of YouTube or just about, like even if it's just about monetization on YouTube and I target search, I probably have better better results there um, yeah. because there is like a disadvantage to the broad audience. So like, you know, if you see a channel, let's just say you see a YouTube advice channel that gets 10K views per video and they're making, you know, let's say they're making a million a year on their consulting business. 
that doesn't mean that because I get 700k views a video I'm making you know <laughs> what would what would that work out with 70 million a year or something that, yeah. like you know it, it doesn't it doesn't translate like that the broad audience naturally means that there's a drop off in conversion rate yeah. because it just gets pushed out to people who will never have any intention working with you yeah um so it, it is a bit of a hybrid approach I just think it's very situational um I think if you're you know a very broad like youtube's still a broad topic like my my service i know it's it, there's not that many people doing it but it's still it's still a very big industry like youtube pay out billions to creators every year it's like you know there's like i think i, I read a start recently it was like the equivalent of four hundred thousand full-time jobs on youtube in the us alone and um, based on on the gdp produced <laughs> um so it's it's a huge industry and that, that gives like a lot more scope to making broad viral content yeah but like yeah going back to like relocating or even something like very specific like um a certain skill like i i, I worked with a channel before that does like um auto repairs for a specific car um and sure he, he might have some enthusiasts that tune in and watch every video but quite often it's like i need to change the you know the supercharger on my volvo s40 you know i'm going to search it not just you know get a recommendation at any given time because like if that channel is, is, is trying to get recommendations, I mean, if their business is around that specific car and, and maybe making guides on that specific car, they really want to target people who want that advice in the moment as opposed to kind of relying on YouTube to push it to the right people. Yeah, cool. So maybe it really depends on your niche, right? So if you're teaching YouTube, there's millions and millions that are going around in the YouTube niche that you can do. Uh, do videos on very broad topics but then if you do ver something very spe specific for example irish people moving to portugal then it's better to go for search yeah exactly and there's channels like one of the channels that i've been watching about that i think he's got like probably like 10k 20k subscribers and like i, I will guarantee he's making a very good living yeah. um through his consulting because it, the people out of those 10k people um that are watching you know Firstly, they're probably people who are either high, high net worth or have a business, so they have funds. Whereas maybe a lot of people who watch my videos are just maybe people who are just complete beginners, people in different countries who maybe don't have as much um, and cash reserves as people do over here um, or in the, in the Western world. And, you know, there's a lot of different variables, whereas he has high net worth, you know, Irish and UK people looking to move to Portugal, um, you know if only a few percent of those people turn into clients of his, he can still build a very big business. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually think like on my videos, there's like, there's probably like 10 or 20,000 people that I get the, the, the most of my business from. So like, I don't want to say they're more valuable because every view is valuable, but like sometimes I get like a few, like less views on a video than normal. Um, maybe like I get 100K views instead of 700K views. But quite often, those first 100K views is where most of the value is hmm. um, because they're the people who know me and have watched me for a long time. And maybe the next 600,000 views on a video, it's great for the look and it's great for the ego and it, it does bring in money and it does bring in new people. But the conversion rate just dramatically drops and the amount of people who actually will turn into customers um, drops down. So it's, yeah. a, it's a balance between you know making content your existing um, audience likes and trying to attract new audience at the same time yeah last question about this topic and i know that we're geeking out a little bit on this but i think <laughs> i think it's no problem i think it's important if you were that uh, the irish guy that advises irish people to move to portugal would you still do broad videos like every now and then to for discoverability or wouldn't you bother 
I mean, it depends what a broad video looks like. So, like, your example is, like, interviewing people. Yeah, street interviews. Um, like, what do Portuguese people think about Irish people? You know, because any Irish person would, would click on that, right? Yeah, like, that that idea is a good idea. Like that That's a good example. So, I think there'd be no harm to mix that in. Because the thing is, with a search audience, I'm much less... You know, the, you know the way, like, you know from uh, me working uh, with the, uh, Ollie um, on that channel, I, I have this almost just, you know, obsession with not splitting the audience. But the minute that changes to a search-based audience, I care a lot less hmm. because the punishment you get from the algorithm isn't as, isn't as harsh because you're, you can, you, there's plenty of examples of search-based channels. Like, I, I work with a channel that does, uh, like, two or 300 million views a month um, with movie clips. And they they put up like you know, um, ten different movie clips from all these random movies in a row, and then ten more, ten more. If you look at the channel, like I looked at the channel, I I, I watch a lot of movies. I would say I, I watch out of the last hundred videos they posted, I would have been interested in maybe five or ten percent of the videos mm. because I've only watched like five or ten percent of the actual movies they covered. Um, but you'll see that they they never really do that one the first day, but then over time, just because they're ranking on search, people people pick up the views, and that's where they get their three hundred million views a month from. Um, so it does depend a bit like on the, on the content at hand, but in, in that case, um, I'm not too worried about making something too different from your regular content because you're, you're just not going to have that loyal of an audience anyway. So something like interviewing Portuguese, interviewing Portuguese people, asking Portuguese people what they think of Irish people, like technically that's attracting the right audience because I guess it's Irish people who are interested in Portugal in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is like, if you make something that's too broad and too like non-specific, it's just it might get views, but the views are almost irrelevant because it's not going to bring in yeah. customers. So like if you if you just made a really broad video on like Portugal or maybe just a really broad video and just you know like Irish people try Portuguese food, I mean that might do well, but like is it attracting the right audience? Maybe, but I, I would feel like if you made a video like that, it probably you know might be primarily. Um, Portuguese people watching it which are the opposite of the people you want to attract <laughs> alright well let's um, let's go back to the uh, the client work some of the client work that you do then what are some other common mistakes that you see other YouTubers make that you work with yeah it's so most of my client work is with 1 million plus and, and 10 million plus channels so there is like a very different type of mistake those channels make so for, for smaller channels I would say anyone, anyone under like sort of 500k um, and I'm putting myself in that category as well, but like it's it's very very niche dependent. So like 100k subscribers could be a huge channel in certain niches and a really small channel in other niches. Like if you're a Minecraft channel, you've got 100k subscribers, you're not really even scratching the surface over how big that niche is. But if you make like woodworking tutorials and you've got 100k subscribers, you're probably one of the biggest channels in the world <laughs> in in your niche. So it's very it's very um, niche specific. But what I see with the smaller channels. Um, the kind of let's say beginner and middle class YouTubers, like people kind of on their way but not at the top level. It's usually that splitting audience thing. Um, that's one of the primary things that they I see, and and also like formats as well. So like one one day they do a reaction video, one day they do a challenge, one day they do a you know a really long um, kind of explainer video. All these different formats. I always just come in and say, what what is your like? What do you want to be known for? What's the kind of content you want to build your channel around? And I, I do use myself as an example, where every video on my channel is ten minutes, or maybe some go to eleven, but like 10, 11 minutes. Every video is on the same sort of 
theme, every video follows a very similar format. Some people say to me, is that all repetitive? And it is a little bit repetitive to make, but it's not repetitive to the audience because I'm only posting once a month. So obviously it depends. Like if, you, if you're making the same video four times a week, it might get repetitive. So that's the kind of context you need there. Um, so I would say that's a big thing, format and splitting the audience too much. And then just like poor, poor retention strategy. So really bad intros, things like, you know, hi guys, welcome back to the channel. If you didn't know me, I'm this, like introducing themselves. Um, I always, I always talk about the best intros hit you with action as quickly as possible. And some people say, well, there's no action, action in the education niche. Well, the action in the education niche is just education then, like the value proposition. You can replace action with value proposition um, instead, of, instead of context. So a lot of people front load the video with way too much context where they go, you know, let's say, let's say if it was my video and I front loaded it with too much context, I would start the video by saying, hey guys, welcome back. If you don't know me already, I'm, you know, Paddy Galloway, I'm one of the top YouTube consultants. And today we're going to look at Mr. Beast and I'm going to show you some of the really interesting things he does. We're going to learn a lot in this video and there's going to be four main parts to it. And, you know, all this sort of like nonsense yeah. context. So what do you sure. do instead? So what, what you do instead is you really focus on getting into the action story as quick as possible. So, for example, the intro style of context, context, context. What if you replace that by one line of context, so like one sentence to describe the start of the video and then actually get into the information. Now, people hate that because they're like, how do I introduce myself? How do they know me? But if I, if I just set that, that kind of rule, let's, let's do 10 seconds of explanation and then straight into it, or even five seconds of explanation, get straight into it. You'll get creative of finding ways to like give that context without making it boring. So you'll actually, you know, in my case, I'm still giving context on a YouTuber. Like I say stuff like, so how did he grow from, you know, one to, to 10 million in one year? That is context in a way, but it's still story. It's still interest. Mm. Instead of saying like, in this video, we're gonna sh I'm going to show you how he grew from this to this. It's like, how did he do this? Obviously, if you hear that as a viewer, you know we're going to talk about how he did that. So yeah, you don't need to t explicitly tell you. Um, so I, I would just focus on shorter intros, jumping into the content a lot quicker. And also not having so much separation. So a lot of people do this thing like where it's, you know, today we're going to cover this um, and it's going to be really cool. You should watch the end. Let's get straight into it. And then like this pause and then again to the rest of the video. The best intros don't feel like intros. They just flow together. If you watch my videos from like three years ago, you'll see I do like, you know, today we're going to look at how Peter McKinnon grew his YouTube channel. Welcome to another episode of YouTube Masterclass. And then pause and then go into it. If you look at my videos over the last two years, I primarily, you know, just don't give this almost like bookmarked or like stop. So there's just one in the flow. Intro. It's just, it just flows and you can't really pinpoint when the intro ended. The video just goes um, and get, they're the best intros. So for channels that size, that's pr the primary concern. And then for channels, for, for like 1 million, 10 million plus channels, I just boil it down to where the main results are. So title, thumbnail, intro topic like those those like areas if you can if you can just make better decisions in those areas you'd be amazed at how different results can be which is a, it's a beautiful thing because you can like make so many right decisions in in other areas of business and still not get results because of external factors but on youtube if you just make better thumbnails better titles on better topics with better <laughs> intros i know it sounds easy to say but if you really focus on those areas the results are incredible like you know I was there's a guy on Twitter I, I just messaged um, or just replied to yesterday who 
who's called um, Quabblecom, and he's a big yeah, um, the the biggest Dutch YouTuber. Yeah, is 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 huge, and we we had a few chats on DMs before as well, and he posted something where he was like, you know. I've been kind of slipping with my content a little bit. I think he got like 20 million views or 25 million views in the last 30 days. I mean, that sounds nice to be slipping and you're getting 25 yeah. million views in the last 30 days. Um, but he was like, check back, check back on my channel in like, you know, a month or two months and see, because I, I know what to do. And in his case, for the next month, I would just assume he's going to just really focus on his audience, focus on making very specific videos and really putting more effort in title and thumbnails than he, than he currently is. And I would be willing to bet that in, you know, in two months' time, he'll be at 50 million views a month again, or maybe even more, or maybe a little less, but like he's, he's definitely going to improve and get get his views back up there. Um, so for, for channels of that size, it usually is just making better decisions. It's critique. Like I quite often, it's funny because some people would have imposter syndrome because a lot of these channels obviously have much bigger um, view counts than I do. But I've, I've no problem getting on a call with Eric and saying, Eric, his name is Eric. <laughs> I say, Eric, what are you doing? With this, this is the worst thumbnail I've ever seen. This is terribly paced. Do this instead. Change this. And the thing about kind of being an imposter syndrome or whatever is if what I was saying didn't work, you know, I, I wouldn't have a business. But even in Eric's case, like I worked with Eric and I, I just roasted him for like an hour straight. <laughs> and he was even like, Patty, like you're hurting my feelings, but I love this. Um, and then afterwards, like, the next two or three months on his channel not that it was just me because obviously i just like help people with a few things and they do the most of the rest themselves but i just gave him some pointers and i'm sure he got points from other people as well and like he really turned his channel around because he was actually in a little bit of a dip at the start of the year and now he's i would describe as one of the hottest entertainment channels in the us right now like he's getting getting big viewership um so yeah it's usually about being very honest roasting it and always thinking about is this the best one that we could have made? Surely there's a more interesting way we could have framed this video. Yeah, and then how do you eventually prove that your idea was, you know, or your suggestion was the right thing to do? Like, how do you prove that a thumbnail is better? Do you do split testing or how do you, yeah, how do you prove that? Really, like, so you, you can do, like, I do a lot of A-B testing in TubeBuddy, um, which is a YouTube tool. Um, it's really useful for just uploading two different thumbnails and they'll automatically switch them and, and measure CTR and views. But you don't necessarily have to do that. You can just like, it, it's pretty easy. So if, you, if, you're, if you've got a video that at the moment is getting, let's say 100 um, views per minute. So obviously that'd be a big channel, but like 100 views per minute. And then you switch out a new thumbnail and the video, you can just see in the, in the, the real time, um, the viewer count real time that the views increase from 100 views per minute to like 150 consistently. Like if it just if it just spikes up once, there could be another factor, it could be just random. But if you see like you change at, let's say it's 11.09 a.m. where I am right now. So let's say you change at 11.09 a.m. And then at 11.20 a.m., you've seen for the last 10 minutes or whatever, it's just consistently gone up. Then you know that's a better thumbnail. Yeah. Um, and then you should keep that thumbnail. And like there can be other factors, but in general, like the best way to do things is just look at view count because CGR is useful, but it can be very misleading because like low CTR doesn't necessarily mean the thumbnail's bad or title's bad. It could be the topic's bad, or it could be the topic's really good and it's getting pushed to like a broad audience, which in itself means yeah. that the, the CTR might drop, but the thumbnail might still be really good. Mm. I put out a, a thread yesterday that I always I read it and I know it's going to annoy people, but it's just so true that like. 
a video could have, I was talking about retention instead of CTR, but it's the same thing. Like if a video has got good performance, but low retention, it doesn't necessarily mean the retention was bad. And if a video has got low performance and high retention, it doesn't necessarily mean the retention is good. And if a video has got low retention and low performance, it definitely means the retention was bad. So the reason I say that is because let's just say with the, the second example there, performance is low, but retention is high. People might say, oh, well, but at least the video's got good retention. But that might be just because the video's performing so badly that it's only being shown to your most dedicated audience members. Mm-hmm. And they're making the retention kind of look better than it actually yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so there's always that to, to, to sort of take into consideration. Um, and I feel like a lot of it just comes from being able to interpret data as opposed to, you know, just purely looking at numbers. But really, and this is funny because, you know, people hire me and I, I do have like a, a background in, in data analysis and I, I can do some really advanced stuff and correlation tests and all this sort of different things. But at the end of the day, I just say views. Like, are they up or are they down? <laughs> like that is the, the lifeblood. That is... That is the main metric for me. Like, I go into a channel and my goal is to increase views. I want to do lots of other things around the process. I want to make them more money. I want to build audience loyalty. But if I'm working with a client, my goal is to increase views by 10% the next month. It might not seem like a lot, but if you're working with a channel that's making, you know, 200K a month on their content, it obviously makes sense to hire me. (laughs) Yeah, so click-through rate and average view, uh, so AVD, Important to look at those numbers, but in the end, views is um, is what matters most. I have a few more. We have a few more minutes. I have a few more quick questions here. Well, sure. I'm not sure if they're quick questions, but let's try. <laughs> YouTube Shorts. We ran a mastermind retreat for creators last week in Crete, and this was one of the topics that we talk about. Um, many YouTubers in the room, some of them really big channels, but they haven't done shorts yet because they say it's going to damage the, uh, it's not good for the algorithm, it's going to harm my channel because it's going to reduce their AVD. There are also smaller YouTubers who started doing shorts and who managed to grow their channels very rapidly. What is your opinion on YouTube shorts? Who's, who should do this? So I, I do think it's, it is good for, for smaller channels, but you have to remember that a lot of these small channels grew very rapidly, but the numbers are almost like fairy dust. Like, does it do it? Does it really exist? So they might be getting, you know, 10, 20 million views a month, but that's not converting into revenue or like loyal subscribers. And that's not to say that you shouldn't do shorts, but it is also just to, to kind of always keep that in context of, of how these channels have blown up with shorts. Um, and sure, like, the, you know, there's like the Addison Rays, um, these big TikTok stars, the, the D'Amelios and things. Um, that um, you know they've built really big businesses and you know they're 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 doing really well. But that's like, you know, that's like the the Cristiano Ronaldo or the Messi. It's like the you know the zero point zero zero one percent. And a lot of people make short form content and have five or ten million followers and barely make you know enough to live on. Now maybe they could be doing better with their business. And I know I do know people who are really bullish on on short form content and like do product placement and stuff and they make decent money doing it. But I just think that has to be always taken into consideration. I think, I think smaller channels, it's still worth trying and it's still worth experimenting. Mm. I think for bigger channels, it just comes down to this simple question. If you make shorts, are they going to still be interesting to your, to your existing audience, to your, the audience you're trying to build your channel around? Because if you're just making shorts for the sake of going viral, what's the point? Whereas if you're making shorts, that's still, fill the same gap and still and still like they're almost like just what happens if your videos just look like 60 seconds like they're the same kind of content mm. 
I think you can still do it. There's no like algorithm punishment. I work with a channel recently doing 150 minute views a month and they post um, like the majority of those views come from just 10 minute videos, but they post lots of shorts. Um, I, I know for, for sure. And it's just like a, a practice what you preach thing. I'm not going to make shorts on my channel because I've got a very specific format. I don't want to mess with that by posting like lower quality videos just in the sake for the sake of going viral. Um, so like, like a lot of things, it's very nuanced. It's very situational. It depends on, on the context you're in. Like some channels I see and advise, yeah, you can give them a try. Some people say, I say, there's no real need to do them. Um, but the punishment that people are worried about, that was a factor at the very start. It's not a factor anymore. Mm. Um, YouTube, YouTube have made changes to um, the way shorts are integrated in browse and the way that affects your channel so that there's no negative punishment. It's more just the, the there's no algorithmic punishment. It's more if it, if it is any punishment, it might be just that the audience like don't like them and don't watch them. Um, so, so the general advice I'd say is if you're a small channel, I think it's just, the idea is just to just try everything you can and just try different things. Just yeah. don't think shorts are like the saving grace. Like they're not necessarily going to just change everything for you. If you're a bigger channel with an existing audience, I would just say be careful, but don't don't think you can't make them for some algorithm reason. Give them like give one short try, but just make sure it's it's closely following the content you're making. So for example, like on my channel, I try to do detailed video breakdowns. But if I was to look at what works well on, sort, on shorts, I've seen lots of these videos which which are like, how much does this YouTuber make? And it's like 60 seconds of like, how much does this YouTuber make? He makes 60 million because of this, this, and this. And they're not educational, they're not interesting, they're just like, how much he makes? If I was to make those videos, maybe they'd do well, but they're not bringing in the right audience. And they're kind of like almost watering down my value proposition. I don't wanna be a channel that just makes like videos on how much this person makes. I used to do that like two, three years ago. But now I want to be someone that focuses on like high quality educational yeah. content and that doesn't fall in that category. All right. And then another trend that we see is that some of the YouTubers duplicate that channel or publish the videos on a, on a separate channel. But then they add like uh, Spanish subtitles, for example, or they dub everything in another language. For whom does that make sense? Because it's uh, quite an investment, right? Like, could you do that yeah. for your channel, for example? Your face is not in it. You could easily just add a voiceover and uh, run yeah. uh, Paddy Galloway uh, in Russian, for, for example. Yeah, I, I, I would be interested in doing in do. I have been interested in that for a while. Quite often, it's, it's just the absolute reality of a lot of other languages. And this sounds kind of funny, but a lot of other languages, the countries that watch those the, that that language, like so, say you know Portuguese would be Portuguese people and Brazilian people, um, and a, lot, a few other countries in South America as well. Um, their like CPMs are so low, yeah. um, they're really low comparatively. Like a Portuguese RPM, if my RPM for America, which is RPM is just the amount you make per thousand views, my RPM for America is let's just say it's like seven or eight dollars per one thousand views. For Portugal, it'd be like fifty cents or maybe a dollar. So sometimes you just have to do those those numbers and think, is it worth it to do that? I would say that the channels that, that it's it's definitely worthwhile and to do that with are big entertainment channels and very large, let's say million plus channels primarily. Like if, you, if you've got a million plus subscribers and you're getting a lot of viewership here and maybe you're already seeing that you have like quite a few viewers in India or these different countries, it might be worthwhile doing. 
Um, but just what you can do is you're in your analytics, go to your RPMs by country and see what RPMs you're currently getting from some of these countries anyway to help you with the calculations. Because if it costs you, let's say, 3K a month to dub your content to to Indian or to Hindi, um, and then you go to India and you see your RPM is like 20 cents, which mine is, is like 10 to 20 cents, you'd need a lot of views to justify doing that. Um, yeah. So that that's like... A, what I would generally say, I, I do want to also mention something, um, YouTube, and this is something that I, I was actually working on um, earlier this year, and YouTube have finally started to roll it out. They've got this feature where you you, you, you will soon be able to add um, like other voice tracks to your video. So you can add like a dubbed audio to your regular video on your main channel. So if, if anyone watching this goes on to Mr. Beast's latest video, which is um, last to um, leave the car, or last to take your hand off the Lamborghini wins it. Yeah. If you go to then um, options and you go down and you scroll, you'll see like audio tracks. If you click on that, you can put it in Russian, and suddenly it takes away the the regular audio and just puts everything in a dubbed Russian mm. um, uh, voice. So as far as I know, I need I need I need to like check out when that's fully rolling out for everyone. But anything that rolls out for the top graders eventually rolls out to everyone. So that's going to be a thing, and I think that's an important consideration for yeah. for people thinking about dubbing channels, where maybe you don't need to create a second channel, maybe just yeah. wait out to that out and, and do it on the main channel. Well, yeah, that's important to uh, to keep in mind. So, is there anything else that we should know? Like, what what do you see? Where do you see YouTube is going in the next five years? What are some of the trends? What are some of the advice that you'd like to share with our listeners on the podcast? Like, like overall, overall, I think. short-termism so thinking you know almost the scarcity mindset of like it's working now let's just make the most of it while it's here because i understand that that always comes from you know when you're when you're working on something that's new like a new um a new technology or a new industry it's always more volatile so you're like in the early, early first 10 years of youtube so let's say 2007 to like 2017 like everyone knew it was doing well and like the, the mo most people knew it was going to keep doing well but like even as a creator during that time period I, I always had this mindset of like you know this could all just go away tomorrow um whereas right now it's different youtube is mainstream youtube is here to stay the kids are watching youtube youtube is the youtube viewership audience is just gonna like 3x over the next two decades i feel like it's just going to keep growing the viewership is going to keep growing the advertising revenue is going to keep growing if you i often go to my some of my channels and just um go lifetime of channel and then rpm and you can just see this increase in rpm every time on nearly every channel year on year rpms are higher so i think an important thing to maybe leave people on an important note to leave people on is to really take Take a long-term approach and don't be just making videos for the next month. Think think years ahead and think like how you can build this into a sustainable business and a long-term thing. Because at the start, I was thinking, okay, like I'm making decent money doing what I'm doing. I probably only have like a couple of years to do it and then, you know, poof, it's all gone. Whereas what I thought about more recently is why can't I just keep evolving the content? Why can't I be a channel with like, you know, two, three million subscribers in a few years' time? Like, I always think like maybe in a year's time or maybe in like three years time I could have a million subscribers. I always say that to myself because it's very uh, reasonable to think I would based on my trajectory. But that's again, that's three years. What if I said in 20 years? 
you know and people sometimes think i don't want to make videos in 20 years well i mean that's your personal choice but i still want to make videos in 20 years so where is my channel in 20 years when i'm 40 45 like what what sort of uh what sort of size could I be operating at? Could I have 10 million subscribers? I don't know, but it's possible. So I think if you love content, think long-term. Um, you know, Don't see YouTube as like a, a three-year life cycle. There's going to be ups and downs within that period, though, because it's impossible to like sustain growth forever. And like especially if you're like an entertainment-based channel, there probably will be a fall-off of, of time where you lose a bit of interest in, in like the audience lose a bit of interest in you. But if you look at a lot of the big case studies of channels that have fallen off, I would say in the majority of cases, it's because they didn't really innovate or adapt. So, and that maybe that comes from this scarcity mindset of being like, I, I don't want to spend more money on my content because this could all disappear tomorrow. Whereas the channels you see working really well that I think will continue to work well for the next decade, they're building teams, they're investing in their channels and they're thinking long-term. They're treating it as a long-term business as opposed to just a two, year, two or three year like, um cow that needs to be milked you know yeah. so um yeah I, i'd say definitely think longer term um i i know my content like i, I can't look at my content and say in, in five years the same content will be good enough i think in five years i need to be making something on another level to what i'm making now so i'm planning for that if i still made the same content i'm making now in five years i'd probably stagnate and then blame the algorithm and say oh youtube just forgot about me but really it's probably because the audience aren't interested in my content anymore because someone else come along that makes better videos. So um, yeah, innovation and long-term thinking. Well, that was great, buddy. Thank you so much. If people want to learn more about you, where can they go? I, I go to my Twitter, PaddyG96. I'm most active there. Um, I, I don't, I'm not too keen on any other social network. I usually just use Twitter. I um, use Instagram a little bit as well, which is just Paddy Galloway, my name. Um, and then of course, if you want to watch the videos, just search up my name on YouTube and um, you're very welcome. <laughs> We're gonna watch your videos, especially the first uh, two minutes. Yeah, exactly. Study study those very carefully and and see what I'm doing in my script because they might seem like I deliberately make them a little simple so they're easy to understand for for beginners. But there's a lot of interesting tactics I use in there that I still don't think anyone's kind of seen yet. <laughs> All right, that was it for today. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you want more, then please give this podcast a positive review in well, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to learn more about what we do and how we can maybe help you growing your creator business, then make sure to go to creatorsmarts.com. Ciao.